Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. It is the uh, 3rd of May, 2020, and we are so pleased that you have joined us this day um, to share with us our time of um, uh, Bible study, worship, uh, around the table of remembrance. And we're going to share a lesson in Corinthians today. Um, and have a, a passage from the scripture as far as our morning uh, service. Now, one thing I'd like to announce, especially to those that are um, from this assembly in Coolidge that are listening on, 
via TalkShoe and the Internet, is that our plans are to be open to the public, if you will. I, uh, that doesn't quite sound right, but um, we're going to open the assembly doors and we're going to have our normal services, hopefully, hopefully, by the 17th of May, which is two Sundays away. Um, and this is in accordance with the, um, uh, the governor of Arizona uh, adding a couple more weeks onto our um, keeping away from each other, if you will. Uh, anyway, to be in compliance with that, and of course with the idea of we have a number of folks in our assembly that are very susceptible to this sort of illness, so we're doing everything we can to do right uh, in the eyes of men and God uh, in this way, and we'll do so. So with, unless something else occurs, that is our plans. Um, of course, we're going to continue our broadcast as they are going just now, um, regardless of our assembling uh, in other ways in this facility. So I, would, I welcome you again, and hopefully... Um, we won't have to talk about this too much longer. <clears throat> I'd like to share with you this morning from Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, one of my favorite passages. To me, this is just a... Uh, I like hearing this. I like reading it. And I like the fact that it's there for us to understand and the apostle, as he was writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, in, um, starting with what we call the fourth chapter, I, the prisoner in the Lord, exhort you, therefore, to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, in love, using diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the unity and in the united bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, as you have been also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in us all. That's the word of God. Let us pray this morning. We thank you, Father, for another new day, a beautiful day. In this time of assembly, in this time we turn our thoughts to your word, in a very, uh, in a very uh, understanding way. We pray for the brethren, wherever they may be this day, that they are remembering their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the way that you have called us to. And fellowshipping, Father, uh, within the assembly, as they can gather. And we pray it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We are, as we have been doing of late, uh, we're now going to have our time of 
communion where we will take partake of the Lord's Supper. And uh, as we have done, I've asked Alex to lead us in uh, a meditation and then uh, when he is finished, we will partake. And if you want to, you can too at the same time or however you've arranged your get-together is fine with us. But we will do so just now. Uh, Alex? Good morning, everybody. Reading from uh, the sixth chapter of Romans this morning, starting in verse 1. What then shall we say? Shall we continue in the sin that the grace may abound? Let it not be. We who did die to the sin, how shall we live in it? Are you ignorant that we, as many as were baptized to Christ Jesus, to his death, were baptized? We were buried together then with him through the baptism to the death, that even as Christ was raised up out of the dead, through the glory of the Father, so also in newness of life might walk. So also we in newness of life might walk. For if we, be, if we have become planted together in the likeness of his death, so also we shall be of the rising again. This knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of the sin may be made useless for our no longer serving the sin. For, if, for he who hath died hath been set free from sin. And if we die with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised up out of the dead, doth no more die, death over him hath no more lordship. For in that he died to the sin, he died once. And in that he liveth, he liveth to God. So also you reckon yourselves to, to be dead indeed to the sin and living to God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
So this concludes our time of communion. And we will move on to the lesson of the Lord's Day here on the 3rd of May. And we're still looking at the letter to the assembly in Corinth. And there's a lot to see in that letter, as we have found out. We're in chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 33 today. You know, the key thought of the remaining verses is that, um, and and I'm getting this from the text itself, the ideas or the phrases such as this, in all you do as a child of God, do all to the glory of God. Now that covers a lot of ground. But when it's all to the glory of God, I think we're, the mandate has been set forth. Also, there's another phrase, do not become an offense to anyone in trying to please yourself. Let no one seek his own, but each another's. That's verse uh, 24. You know, there's an old saying that I heard as a young man in the church. I was fortunate enough to grow up in the Lord's church. And I would hear the older people say things in many different contexts, but To a young person, they would say, don't go out looking for trouble, because if you do, you will surely find it. Or some might modify it, it'll find you. (laughs) However it is, you'll end up in trouble. But those that were teaching would say that if you remember who you are in Christ, then let the Savior guide you by his example. That's in contrast, of course, to the example of the world. Now, to know what the Savior's example is, we have to know who the Savior is, what he did, what he said, and what his men said about him, and what God says about him. So when we know all of that, we have a pretty good way for us to go. Now, one of the things that I realized as a young man, being thrust into the world, if you will, uh, due to the age and the climate of the day, was that there's a lot of good people in the world. There's a lot of good ideas. Um, And you can attribute a lot of this to the fact that it's because of Christian people and Christian thinking. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So I see where some can become very enamored with the world and the things of the world. The trouble is the the root of worldliness has rather a base um, root system, if you will. So the apostle in these final verses here in this chapter uh, are going to deal with with these things 
in the way that the Apostle Paul does best, uh, very reasonably, very informatively, and using comparisons from the past and, and, and uh, the issues now. And so I want to look at, to start with today, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 22, which it starts with the concept of fleeing idolatry. And as it goes on, it says, you know, to have no part in pagan, pagan practices, pagan services, if you will, gatherings. Avoid the very appearance of evil is the thought that comes into my mind. And you know, we can do that, but we have to want to. And we really have to try to. So verse 14, let's hear the words of the apostle. We're looking at it from Young's literal translation. Verse 14, Wherefore, my beloved... Flee from idolatry. As to wise men I speak, judge ye what I say. And now he starts to tell us and to end them. The cup of the blessing that we bless, is it not the fellowship of the blood of the Christ? The bread that we break, is it not the fellowship of the body of the Christ? Because one bread, one body, are we the many, for we all of the one bread do partake. See Israel according to the flesh. Are not those eating the sacrifices in the fellowship of the altar? Verse 19. What then do you say, or what then do I say, rather, that an idol is anything? Or that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything? No. But that the things that the nations sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not wish you to come into fellowship of the demons. You are not able the cup of the Lord to drink and the cup of demons. You are not able to the able of the table of the Lord to partake and the, and the table of the demons. Do we arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Those questions the apostle asks the readers of his letter. You know, we need to be informed. And if we're informed, we can stay pure. For the master, well, you need to know the things that we need to avoid. Now, we sure saw a list of them here. So I would say Christians break bread and drink from the cup of blessing, and we say that that represents the Lord Jesus in in way of remembrance and communion with Him, the body and the blood of the new covenant. Thus, we have fellowship with him in our coming together around the table. What we call the Lord's Supper or the communion, meaning which is a fellowship with the one that we're remembering. The many in one body. When we think of 
partaking on the Lord's Day of Communion, we I like to think of it in a, in a in a totalitary way. In other words, all those in Christ doing just that for that purpose at that time. Now we know that uh, in the world we live in that uh, there are two Lord's Days, if you will, because of our time schedules. So it's it's not the the day and the hour and the day of the week because, like I said, we have two first days of the week depending on where you live. It's what we're doing for the reason. So that's what Christians do. We know that. Also, if we understand the history of Israel, what he was saying there, the Levites, those that worked, their work was in the temple to deal with all the sacrifices and the things of the temple in Israel, they ate of those sacrifices that were brought into the temple. That was, that was there to maintain them as, as people to stay alive. They also had other things. Uh, they had fields that belonged to the Levites that they got the grain from those fields. and They lived from their work, if you will. They had fellowship with God through the altar, if you will, towards God. Um, is the way we should look at it. Then in verse 20, he turns to the other thing, the issue of, because remember, all a lot of this is about eating meat sacrificed to idols, right? And he's already said that it's meaningless in the realm of God because there's one God, one true God. So the things of the nations, that is the pagan nations, those that know not God, the things that they sacrificed, they do to idols or some other uh, situation, not maybe not just a stone idol or a wood idol, but maybe just a concept. But in truth, they are worshiping and communing with demons. By the way, this is in the plural here. Um, I notice in some it's called devils, demons, the minions, uh, what, whatever. Um, and it's neuter because we're not talking about people here, talking about uh, demons, no, uh, no gender. But they are spiritual entities. And according to the Greek word, that concept in the Greek, was an entity that devoured its contacts. That was the idea. It was a devourer, if you will, um, in a spiritual sense, I, I suppose, but probably taking even into the physical sense in some of those cultures. But, but the, the thing about the demons is this. Those, they are the ones that oppose God. They are the ones that have spoken against God and have departed from his will. That is the God of heaven and his son. Remember the relationship between the cast out demons and Jesus when he, during his ministry? 
Were they all that friendly with Jesus? They were very, they were blasphemous, and they were challenging, but they were also fearful. So what fellowship then can the body of Christ have with the world of demons and the world of all that stands opposed to God? You see, that's why we should be avoiding such things as this. That's why they should have avoided it. Did they have a right to do so? Could they go in? And, and we'll read on here about going to someone's home and eating that was not a Christian and that sort of thing. But what fellowship? We can have no fellowship. The conclusion from the apostle is you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and also be a person partaking of the table of demons, especially when you know it's the table of demons, and the people that are there laying this table out for you also know it's the table of demons. You are not able to do so and should not. You see, that stands in contrast to the fact that they have no power, but in the world of men and women, they had a lot of power, a lot of sway, and, and bad things were happening for sure. Let's, uh, let's reread verse 22. Do we arouse the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? You see, that's the question. We can partake, we can go to this table, but the Lord is a jealous Lord. But are we able to overcome his wrath? Well, I think we know the answer to both of those questions. That he is jealous, he will not tolerate it, and there is no way for us to resist the punishment that follows. So as we as we go on, and, and a lot of this is going to pertain to what follows here, um, in this last section of this chapter. Because when this is over, when this chapter is complete, we move on to other topics once again. Uh, make a hard right turn off, pretty much. But these things needed to be said. I can, I, I can see that. So let's look at what I would call the realities of being free in Christ. Um, I'm very proud of the idea that Christians are free in Christ. But I'm also very aware of the pitfalls that are all around if we stray from the way, if you will. The way of Christ is seeking after righteousness. Um, and those little bunny rabbit trails off to the side sometimes are disastrous. And the apostles warning against it. So let's look at verse 23 and, and following. Um, and the apostle starts speaking again uh, of himself, which should be taken an understanding uh, that it also pertains to the body of Christ in general. But he says, all things to me are lawful, but all things are not profitable. 
Some of our scriptures use the word expedient there. Well, that's a good word, but you need to understand what it means. All things to me are lawful, but all things do not build up. You see, what if our things that are lawful for us to do, do instead of build up, they tear down someone else? You see, that's the point. In verse 24, he starts teaching, Let no one seek his own, but each another's. Whatever in the meat market is sold, eat ye, not inquiring because of the conscience. For the Lord's is the earth and its fullness. You understand that concept. Everything in, in the earth belongs to God. He made it in its fullness. The meat that we eat, he gave us to eat. The fact that it was sacrificed to a pagan idol is unfortunate. But he goes on to tell us about it. And if anyone of the unbelieving do call you and you wish to go, all that is set before you eat. Nothing inquiring because of the conscience. Now he goes on to explain what he's mean, he said here in verse 28. And if anyone may say to you, this is the thing sacrificed to an idol. Do not eat because of all that one who showed it and of the conscience. For the Lord is the earth and its fullness. And conscience, I say, not of thyself. In other words, not your conscience, but of the other. For why is it that my liberty is judged by another's conscience? So, whatever we do, we have to understand that it will and it can affect other people, their conscience, what they're thinking. That's why we need to be so careful. We need to be informed so we can be careful. Verse 30, And if I thankfully do partake, why am I evil spoke of? For that which I give thanks. In other words, the apostle is saying, he prayed over the meal that he had. He gave thanks to God for the provision of food. Whether then you eat or drink or do anything, do all to the glory of God. Become offenseless both to Jews and Greeks and to the assembly of God. And I also in all things do please all, not seeking my own profit, but that of the many, that they may be saved. And so the chapter ends. So the apostle writes to the evangelist Timothy words, I think, that echo this teaching. And let's look at them. First Timothy 4, 1 through 5. First Timothy 4, 1 through 5. So here the apostles teaching the evangelist something that he doesn't that he needs to be aware of. All right? 
in the first five verses and following, but we're only going to look at first five. And the Spirit expressly speaketh, that in latter times shall certain fall away from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and teachings of demons. Same word. In hypocrisy, speaking lies, being seared in their own conscience, forbidding to marry, to abstain from meats that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those believing and acknowledging the truth. Because every creature of God is good and nothing is to be rejected with thanksgiving being received. For it is sacrificed through the word of God and intercession. Well, the teaching within the church was very clear on this subject, wasn't it? But each Christian, each person needed to be aware of what they were doing and make sure that they weren't doing something that was obviously going to mislead another person. The assembly is a place where many are happy to advise each one of us how to live our lives. You need to listen to them. And you won't have to go far to have some instruction for somewhere from somebody. You need to listen to them and see what they're saying. But be sure that you choose the Lord's way. You know, good advice is good, especially when it's confirmed through Scripture. We're happy to have it. We are never free in Christ, though. We're never free in Christ to sin against our brethren in any way. And sometimes we can do this not even aware of it. We have to be very careful. Or to bring shame upon our Lord and the kingdom of God. We need to be very careful in how we live. And, um, well, taking good advice. I've been given a lot of good advice. I've also heard some things that uh, I just really couldn't believe I was hearing. Now, we, we, we try to make these things beneficial for everyone. You know, today's example um, of this idea of uh, the way that we do, the freedom that we have. Do we have freedom to open our doors to the fellowship hall and, and, the, and the building here you know, under the law, under the Constitution, under our rights as citizens, yeah, you know, we do. We can. And I doubt that anyone, as a matter of fact, I heard the sheriff of this county say that he wouldn't interfere with anybody. Okay? Do we have the right to do it? Well, you know, we do have. And I'm tempted. But I'm going to tell you the reason that I agreed with the good um, uh, advice I received from others. 
Because in doing so, am I making a statement to somebody that I really don't want them to think about myself or the, the congregation or the Lord himself? You see how it can go? This is a real problem. And we need to think about everything we do before we do so. So we're doing what we feel is the best. We're holding our assembly via the Internet, which is strange indeed to me. Nonetheless, that's what we're doing. Uh, we have a way to do it, and it's a good way. Yes, we have the freedom to do many things, but each time that we come to that understanding, consider, consider all that it will cover. And as long as we're considering these things in all the situations, then, then we should do what we feel is, is proper. And you know what I do may not be what someone else does. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing what I'm doing to be, to be lawful, to not be, fall under any sort of condemnation from anyone as being a lawbreaker or one that just doesn't care. Because that's not, that's not who Christians are. And so we're, we're doing what we're doing. Now, there, there would, might come a time when we have to do certain things, but we're not at that point. We're not at that point. I hope that example fits with this context. Um, do all to the glory of God. You see, if, if we're just going to exercise our rights because they're our rights and we're going to do it regardless, then, then maybe we've forgotten about the glory of God. We need to be very careful. So the statements of the Apostle Paul in verses 32 and 33 is the way that we should follow. And what is the way? Become offenseless both to Jews and Greeks and to the assembly of God. And I also in all things do please all. This is what the apostle is doing. He's trying to live this way. Not seeking my own profit, but that of many, that they may be saved. For the good of many, for the good of those that we don't even know, that may not even be born, we need to maintain the presence of the love of Christ, the love of God in the world. We do so through our assembly. We are here to teach the world of the mysteries of God and the wonders of God and the promises of God. And we cannot do that if we are offensive to the people we live around. So those are my final words on this chapter. They may not be the final words ne needed to be said, but they're mine today. Um, and hopefully this, this concept that the apostle is putting forth uh, will really stick. Um, now I want to talk just a, a couple of minutes here about the chapter's coming. Um, from this chapter, we go to chapter 11. And chapter 11 rather stands on its own. Um, there's a couple of good teachings within it, uh, two or three, but still 
it has the idea, and I think the, the thrust of chapter 11 is the order of creation. In other words, how God has set in order all that we know. And that we should not be taking any self-pride over any of these things except for the knowledge of how he has done so. People are free. They have free will. And yet they have to understand that they do have and they are responsible for their actions. And that everyone has a head. And the head of the head, <laughs> of the various heads that God has put in place, is God himself. He is all in all, as we read this morning. Chapter 11. And then, uh, then as we go on in this book, I want to express my thought here. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all speaking about something that a lot of people have a lot of interest in, spiritual gifts. We're going to study them together in light of spiritual gifts, both the spiritual gifts we see recorded, how that is the issue for today, what are the boundaries, what are the real facts of spiritual gifts. That, I hope, will be our study through those chapters. What our position today should be. Uh, within the family of God. So with that, I will say adieu uh, and have a wonderful week until we meet again in this assembly, uh, studying the letter to the assembly in Corinth at this particular time. We pray that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week following. Be well and goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.